This is episode 65, Flash Pulp. We're joined by the entire crew of Flash Pulp, J.R.D. Skinner, Jessica May, and the O-Pope. What's an O-Pope? Stay tuned! This is the Book Guys Show, episode 65. My name is Paul Alves, joined as always by the one and only... Professor Allen! Yeah, Professor Allen, I saw your, uh, you just dropped another uh, great review on the site, bookguys.ca today. Fantastic. Yep, some, uh, some Ender's Ender Shadow, keeping up, trying to keep up with the, with the Enderverse in all its glory, from audio to graphic novel. That's right. Next up, and next up, we'll be getting to uh, Speaker for the Dead in a few weeks. So. And of course, folks, you can find all of Professor Allen. He is a professor. He's an actual professor. All of his reviews at the uh, Alan's Eyes and Ears blog. And uh, sometimes he'll throw us a crumb or two and put it on bookguys.ca. So. Only the good ones. <laughs> uh, we're, of course, also joined by doing the stingers this week. Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Sir Jimmy? From North Carolina. Doing, Fantastic. <laughs> Pre-planning for a, a big uh, birthday bash blowout this weekend. I'll tell you what. A lot of cobwebs need cleared out. Yes. <laughs> have people uh, in the house that's never been here before. We gotta straighten things up. We'll talk in technology today. Uh, just be, uh, not because it's new or anything, but my buying experience at Walmart today. Uh, my new toy. I'm gonna need a new Hollow Book for this thing. The iPad Ooh, Mini. You know, is that an iPad <laughs> Mini? Yes, it would have been the Asus Transformer uh, thingy, but uh, they didn't have the key for the, you know, the. The cabinet it was in. Long story. Well, we'll talk know, about it later. I, 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 I hate to, I hate to throw a plug in <laughs> so early, but if you go to the front page of a certain website, there might be exactly what you want. Hmm. Would that be freehollowbooks.com? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a, a Steve Jobs book that that we did that's right there on the front page, and it's it's the first one that's ever been done just for an iPad Mini. Perfect. You could actually stack. I, I don't know if I could have an I Apple have a, product in an Apple book. It'd be a little bit too Apple douchey. Yeah, that's a little. Just saying. That's like extra meta. <laughs> and joining us, of course, the fourth and final, the one and only Father Rob Ballister. Father Robert, the digital Jesuit, the host of this week in enterprise technology on the Twit Network. And, of course, a book guy. How are you doing, Robert? Padre? Father? I am doing fine, although I'm trying to figure out why uh, it was 20 degrees two days ago, and now it's 75. Global warming. Sounds it's like you've had a little climate change there. <laughs> I've had some serious climate change. It reminds me that D.C. actually is was built on a swamp, and it never really changed. So, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a city. Well, some uh, administrations are a little different, but basically all politicians. <laughs> a carbon copy of Paris built on a swamp. What could go wrong? Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, we are joined today by some special guests from the Flash Pulp podcast, uh, another great uh, Flash Pulp Fiction podcast, sort of an audio drama thing going on, audio uh, book type podcast. We are joined by the entire crew here. We've got, I'm told to call him Jeered. It was J.R.D. Skinner. Jeered, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> and you're in Milton, Ontario, Canada. And so are the ladies that we're about to introduce. And uh, you know what? Seriously, had I known, I would have invited you guys down here for drinks. We could have done this in person. Uh, I thought you guys were like in the States or something. I don't know. No, there's always next time. <laughs> there's always just, next time. Just, just up the escarpment, I hear. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, we're actually a little north of Milton, up in the in the woods a bit. And, and also from the Flash Paul podcast, we have Jessica May. Hello, Jessica. Hello, hello. The the, the go to meeting screen is full. <laughs> it is very exciting. <laughs> very exciting, and also your friend, Opope. <laughs> How are you yes, doing, Opope? That's me. <laughs> and I'm pretty good. And you're all in the same uh, location, right? You're in Flash Pulp Central, I believe. Yeah. In Milton, Ontario. Yeah, really <laughs> so, so we usually yep. start the the show off by talking about what we've been uh, reading or listening to. We still call it reading if it's an audio book. But uh, uh, let's start off in my screen here. Oh, Sir Jimmy's got a Spider-Man on the screen. Sir Jimmy, uh, anything new this week? Anything you're reading? Yeah, there's a little Spider-Man uh, actually hidden inside of the book that. Uh, <laughs> For those of you who don't know that sound effect we use all the time, that is from the Japanese Spider-Man from the seventies uh, and eighties. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sir, Jimmy. <laughs> been reading Ready. Just finished actually this afternoon. Ready Player One by Ernest Klein and uh, uh, the illustrious Nobot has he, he picked up on the book after I was a few chapters in, and he I just explained to him what was going on. He's like, I want to listen to it. I want to listen to it. So we spent an hour driving around town in the car. Is, is, it, is it past uh, Nobot's bedtime? Can we get him on later? Uh, it's, it is not. So, okay. yeah, he is excited to come on here and talk about it. Because I came home today, and he goes, let's talk about it. Sit down here. I want to talk to you. I said, no, you're wasting good content. <laughs> Save it for the show. Save it for the show, son. <clears throat> good. I don't know how many times. Yeah. <laughs> All of the times. Okay. Save it for uh, the show. Ready Player One is full of references to the 80s. How is he dealing with that being so young? Yeah, because um, it, it was a nostalgia trip for me. So It was. Because you know, sure the 80s a lot of that. Is it still fun? We'll talk about it later then. But the question later is going to be, is it still fun if you don't get all the references to Rubik's Cubes and Spider-Man <laughs> and Voltron and all that other shies that they talk about in the in the book? To be fair, Rick Springfield is eternal. <laughs> I've been... Uh, I finished... Actually, I did pick up Pickin' Tomatoes. And uh, I am going to talk about Pickin' Tomatoes by J.W. Bull. We had her on last week. Uh, I love it when, you know what? We have a, a wonderful guest on. Uh, just such a nice lady that I... I downloaded her book through Audible and listened to it. And you know what? I Sometimes I love getting forced into listening to ch- some chiclet. Because <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Picking Tomatoes was a lot of fun. I'm going to recommend it especially to the ladies. But uh, you know what? If you want to go on a chick lit break, uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and right now I'm into, just started reading uh, another great Brilliance Audio production uh, book by Paul Malman. It's called The Astounding, The Amazing, and The Unknown. And it is a book about the 40s and the uh, original classic sci-fi, the, the pioneers in sci-fi novels are characters in the book. And from the little I know from some of these authors, like As- Isaac Asimov and Heinlein, uh, he, the author, Paul Melman, does use a lot of the uh, information available about those authors' lives in the book. So their relations to their wives and everything. And uh, they are in a covert government operation to basically a think tank to think up crazy sci-fi ways you could beat the Germans. And uh, I'm just at the point where they they found uh, Nikola Tesla's uh, underground lab, which is, of course, underneath the Empire State Building. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun so far. <laughs> I'm going to, you know what? I'm only a quarter in and I'm already going to recommend it. If you are into classic sci-fi, 
uh, you know, the Asimovs and such, uh, you're going to want to check this out just for the, all the references. And the conversation he puts out between them uh, brings to light a lot of information about that time and how science fiction was frowned upon at the time. And these guys were getting published in pulp, you know, uh, magazines. And they're still at this point trying to figure out who's going to have the first novel. When will a novel be accepted for this, this <laughs> sci-fi crap? You know, but a lot of fun. And Padre, anything new on your uh, altar? Nice. <laughs> uh, Do you have an altar? Does every things. priest get an altar? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. A pocket altar. You know, we keep it. We, ta- we travel it with us. It's, it's all good. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I have, after a very, very long absence away from the genre, I got back into comic books. Um, oh, nice. Specifically, I've been looking at the Green Lantern. And uh, I went through Blackest uh, Night. I went through uh, Brightest Day. Went through the uh, the War of uh, of the Rings, uh, and now you know the the reboot, the New Fifty Two. It's uh, it's every bit as gripping as I remembered being when I was a uh, I, I was younger, and I, I'd have to say that the art and the plot lines have just gotten just dead on. Yeah. I, I see Professor Allen here raising his hand. He's are probably you, are, wondering why I'm treading on his his territory. <gasps> Be gone! Be gone! Um, uh, uh, are were you reading these in trades or to do uh, read digital? Just curious. Um, <laughs> you, you will hate me a little bit here. I will make that disclaimer, and that's okay. I'll accept the hate. But uh, what actually got me into it is there is a YouTube channel out there that has taken high-resolution scans of Green Lantern uh, books and set them to music with a couple of special effects. And Ooh. it's it's you know, it's very that's chill. That's not bad. It's, that's it's not, not bad, bad at all. I, I, you know, someone, someone forwarded me a link to one, and before I, had, I knew it, I had read something like you know, 30 books. So I'm kind of hooked. Is That's that fair awesome. use? Fair use or just like kind of so fair? It is so not use. fair use. It's not even close to fair <laughs> use. It is illegal as illegal gets. Well, we, we skirt the, the border usually between fair use and copyright infringement here on the Book Guys show. We don't give a damn. But what I will tell you is that I, I'm so entranced by the series that I'm actually going to buy the electronic copies of, of everything as soon as I can. That's, that's how it works. People, they don't, if the companies understood yeah. that, things would be different. Well, we discussed right. that last week in book news that the fact is that uh, pirates do buy more product from media companies than people who don't pirate. Hey, it's, you know, such is life. They're, they're, call, they're called fans. That's why. Exactly. That's correct. And but don't you think... Uh, don't you think, Father, if Sinestro's parents had just named him something else, like Rainbow Happy <laughs> I know, Miracle? really, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, when the guy <laughs> named Sinestro goes bad, it's really not a surprise. That's the only problem. <laughs> now, I, I will say this. Uh, the last time I read Green Lantern was when I was in high school. And Sinestro back then really was this black and white bad guy, right? right. Well, Sinestro, Sinestro was evil. Sinestro was bad. He stands for everything that's, that's bad, et cetera, et cetera. They really have advanced his character in the new series, especially in the rebooted series, because you, you see his, uh, his personality come out. You see his motivations. Uh, you, you see, I won't say the good side of a bad guy, but you, you definitely do see a more complex universe than you used to get out of uh, DC. Mm-hmm. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are, of course, joined by our guests all the way from the Flash Pulp podcast. We've got... J.R.D. Skinner, Jessica May, and the O-Pope herself. <laughs> so do, do any of you, have you, any of you uh, read any books lately you want to talk about? 
Um, I'm actually partially through a, a recent purchase called the Garner Files. I have a big inf- uh, love of the Rockwell or the Rockford Files. Sorry, nice. A lot of my pulp inspiration comes from that kind of era of cop show. Yes. So it's been a really interesting book, and it's actually James Garner is one of those really familiar, but you don't really place any specific role. Maybe Rockford Files, but you know you always see him in everything. Um, but his upbringing was very odd. I really recommend that book. It's a lot more interesting than most celebrity autobiographies. Nice. James Garner. I'm also, I'm also uh, almost done Hugh Howey's Wool uh, Omnibus. You guys ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, it's a science fiction piece. It comes in five uh, stories that all are assembled into one larger book. And I believe they were all originally released online for free, but he's gotten quite a bit of uptake on them. And they all take place in a post-apocalyptic missile silo that's been converted to survival. And so the first, and there's a sheriff, there's a mayor, and a structure to the whole thing. And each book is kind of an increasing, each story is a tale in itself, but it tells this larger story of how everything is slowly falling apart within the silo. That's actually, Book Mountain is actually one of those. This is the first and only ever Canadian uh, nuclear missile silo we've converted. Just saying. So so let's talk about Flash Pulp Podcast. Uh, now, uh, J- JRD, or Jeered, as we want to call you, what is Flash Pulp Podcast? Uh, tell our listeners uh, what it's all about. Three times a week, we put out five to ten minutes of fiction. Generally, they're either serial pieces, so throughout the week we'll release three stories and they'll add up to one tale, or they're individual five-minute bites of, you know, pulp fiction, uh, horror, thriller, detective, you name it, we do it. Now, uh, yeah. Do these do all these take place in sort of the classic pulp era, or are they just with a pulp sensibility? They have a pulp sensibility. The idea when I was approaching it, I love the old pulps. I love that era, the Heinlein, you know, sci-fi, all of that business. But a lot of that stuff to read it now, you find these racial stereotypes that are a little unpleasant. You find maybe opinions of ladies or ladies in their behavior that are a little unpleasant to read. Right. So I wanted to do something that was very much of that um, archetype, but that was, you know, modern and had a little bit uh, modern sensibility. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of disconcerting some of those older pulp uh, novels because of the, the content there. You know, maybe you don't want to keep kids away from it. Certain words and attitudes toward women and yeah, all kind of people. But uh, something you want to read later in life when you can realize that this was a different era. Uh, so, uh, where do you source your uh, your writing? Where where does the actual text come from? It's all me. It's all my fingers. So uh, each episode is written by GRD Skinner. Well, yes. Um, I mean, we do the occasional guest episode, mm-hmm. and we have a sideshow called the Flashcast. That's more of a magazine style show that includes other people's stories. We'll have submissions. We have a uh, a pirate fellow who comes on and tells his salty tales every couple episodes. We have um, a fellow named Doc Azrael who he's a general fisticuff kind of superhero. He's of the pulp era more, though. Right. Uh, just a variety of that sort of thing. And uh, our other guests here, Jessica May and the Old Pope. I have listened to a couple episodes, and uh, they are some of the voices that we hear. Uh, Jessica, how'd you get involved in this whole thing? Um. Well, Jerd, actually, sorry, Jerd is actually, he's J.R.D., but to his, you know, close personal yes. friends like you guys, hey, we joke around <laughs> calling Jerd. Hey, we're tight, we're like this. It's a Canadian thing, I it wouldn't is, understand it. Is. I can't understand it, I'm sorry. Um, 
But, the name uh, came from Texas. It, it was basically just Jared. He's like, I've got this project. I've got this plan. You need to do this. I hope you're going to do this. And then we're going to make this thing. So from like day one, we didn't like he could write a story, but we didn't know how to put a show together. So they would take hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. But uh, yeah, he basically, you know, we picked something that we were good at and smushed it all together. You guys, you guys are great at the at the narration. I mean, do you have any kind of formal training in this, or are any of you aspiring actors, or is this just something well, that you just came together? Um, the Pope's a big reader, and she like uh, often reads to us and stuff. So she's been uh, yeah, and the kids are the kids that are here. So doing drama in school that that's right. basically it. Just loving reading. And folks, that's the O Pope. Now, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's a pseudonym. Maybe you're wanted yes. for something in the United States. You, you know, I am so wanted in the States. Tell Viet- no Vietnam one. draft yeah. dodger or something. That's okay, right. That's fine. The I, I just have to ask <laughs> if, uh, if O-Pope has a, a car, a, a mobile, as it were. <laughs> O-Pope-mobile? <laughs> O-Pope-mobile? No, unfortunately, I do not. But if I did, okay. it would be bulletproof. Absolutely. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so Jared and ladies, what are some of the topics you cover? What are some of the, uh, what's the, uh, the story in, in most of the uh, episodes? Uh, my favorite has got to be the detective thread that we follow, Mulligan Smith. He's a PI, and he sorts out various crimes. She's and sometimes, yeah, I kind of love Mulligan a little bit. He don't if take, he ever dies, I swear I'll kill Jared. <laughs> he don't take no guff. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to do a detective character that wasn't your standard tough guy. I wanted him to be, well, actually, to loop back to Jim Garner in the Rockford Files, I wanted sort of a smart mouth. I didn't want a guy who could just bust in and punch it up. Right. Now, of course, I mean, 100 episodes in, I ended up including a tough guy. That's sort of his sidekick, but that's another matter. That's another question. 100 episodes. When did you, you start? Uh, sorry, when did you start uh, the podcast? Uh, a little over two years ago now. Well, it's got to be longer than that, Jared. Been a Jared, while. you're lying. <laughs> yeah, two, two, three years. We're in our third year, so. Hey, 100 episodes. And you might be in your third year, I would think, with 100 episodes. If you're doing, well, if you're doing two a week, yeah, you're probably in your. Well, we have 300 of the Flash Pulp, right? Yep, yeah, we're up to episode 308, and wow. uh, the Flashcast are up to. 70 something 79 is the next one yeah yeah you know it's, so it's about three times a week the the only advice i can ever give to podcasters is stick to it uh a lot of people you know they it's the pod fade they call it there's actual term oh, yeah. for it, the pod, pod fade, fade you know and and people will give up they're like oh, i only got you know 200 listeners i'm quitting but stick with it hey maybe next year you'll have 2000 or 20000 or yeah. you know 200000 you know um <laughs> When I, I want to I ask this of Jerd, uh, actually of all of our guests, in fact, even of, uh, of Paul, and that is there's this term in the industry known as a hard pivot. And uh, basically it's an acknowledgement of this phenomenon we have in the current business world where if it's not an immediate success, it's not worth your time and effort to build it up. In, 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 you know, instead, what you should do is kill it. And try right. something else. But and you know what, Padre? I think I think the, the hard pivot uh, applies to a show, you know, like a, a Star Trek or a, a Lost, where 
each episode is costing you millions and millions of dollars. I mean, uh, an episode of Book Guys show costs us each an hour and uh, maybe, you know, $10 worth of drinks. So, you know, <laughs> and for me, half a pack of smokes. But, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. The hard pivot. But it's, I think a hard pivot comes much later in podcasting because it's, it's a time investment. And, uh, you know, but if you're enjoying it, I mean, like I told you guys before, even if we didn't podcast, I still would want to sit and chat with you guys for an hour a week about books. So why don't we I, just keep doing it every week? With our listeners, you know, we don't have a huge listener base, but the ones that we do, like, we're incredibly close with. We're talking oh, yeah, yeah. constantly. So even having just those core folks be really, really excited and to give you that feedback, that's yeah. enough, you know? That's all you need. You need a one Zach yeah. man to inspire you to go on and make another, you know, uh, Zach man's one of our listeners too. Pretty yeah, much we all know of our that shows. Man. We know Zach. You know Zach man? Oh, look at small, yeah, small universe. <laughs> Zach man. There you go. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out, Zach man. Zach man oh, is a he, huge podcast listener. Great guy. No agenda uh, listener. Yep. In fact, going you know, Sorry. Going back to when you said, you know, pod fade and you have people who say, oh, they've got 200 followers and that's really nothing. When we were at that point, I always used to think to myself, man, if I had 200 people showing up on my lawn and they wanted to hear me tell a story, I would be pretty excited. About exactly. That. You know, and that's what and I just because it's over the Internet doesn't mean it's any less. Exactly. Relevant. It's exactly what I would tell the, the original book guys, uh, Greg and, and Chris was like, look, yeah. It's only, you know, 150 people right now, but you couldn't fit them in this studio. Well, it's, exactly. it's, it's actually my print That's shop. That's 150 but, people you're connecting yeah. with. Yeah. And then, you know, when it got to a couple more hundred, and at one point I, just, I remember thinking, you know what, I want to just keep doing this until our fans won't fit in the Arcana Center. Then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just yeah. keep going. Keep at it. <laughs> you know, you, lo- you lose listeners, uh, you gain listeners. And, you know, I find yeah. as we, you know, more guests we have on, more people discover the show, and uh, we just keep building on the base. You know, I'm not Seth Rogen, uh, neither is uh, Professor Allen or Sir Jimmy or the Padre. But uh, you know, awesome. you know, you can't, you don't have that celebrity that you can just start a podcast and everyone's going to listen to it. Like, yeah. you know, if Will Smith made a podcast tomorrow, he'd have two million listeners. Great, <laughs> you know, he's be losing money doing it because he could be doing a movie for eight million. But in the pre-show, we did learn that Sir Jimmy is not Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh-oh. Although he does sometimes That's get... a secret to the regular listeners. <laughs> I've been deceived. I'm out of here. <laughs> Sir yeah. Jimmy, I got to say, I got to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you right on the show for you being mistaken for Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, great. Now he's never going to let that one go. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, okay. your, your Simpsons character kind of looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. I just got to say. I'm just saying. I, if it's not Tom Hanks, I'm getting Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so uh, sometimes we like to talk about uh, how podcasts are made. How do you guys record the Flashpoll podcast? Do you do it separately? Do you do it in the same room? Uh, what, kind of technolo- well, what kind of technology do you use? Um, JMA is the one that sets up all our sound equipment. And I have this sort of... Um, like recording closet that I sit in kind of and it's surrounded by blankets and stuff that uh, keeps us from being too loud and we got a mic set up in there and I read the story off my iPod and she records it nice and and Jared stays as far away as he can because he hates hearing his stories read out loud yeah, until much, much later 
Well, and kind of, kind of not at all. Like once he's done editing, he kind of like just wants to put it away, and then he's like, "Yeah, oh, it's the worst thing ever." But that's you know what people do. It's the but yeah. I use Audacity. It's nothing really fancy. Yeah, you know what? Audacity is probably one of the best uh, pieces of software for recording uh, audiobooks. Uh, and it's free. And it's free. Uh, the thing with uh, GarageBand, you know, some people use GarageBand, but the thing with Audacity is you can actually do a take and then stop the recording if you think that take was bad. And all you do is hit on Windows, you hit Control-Z. You know, on Mac, you hit uh, Command-Z. And now you, it deletes that last thing you just did. And you just press record again and you keep going. Uh, a lot of uh, audiobook narrators that I know, professionals in the business, do use Audacity. So, hey, it's free. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, it's nice to just edit as you go, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's so much smoother than it once was, I tell you. We're, we're gonna we do used a- to do it all in one big long take. Right. And then uh, Jay May would take out, you know, where I had messed up a word and I had repeated it. But now it's a much, much shorter process. Yeah, you know, you streamline as you go, right? I mean, like... yeah. Mm-hmm. Our big joke here on the book I show is, oh, I'll edit it in post later. There's no editing in post. You know, we record, <laughs> we record for an hour and uh, we're done. It goes straight up. It goes oh, straight really? up. Do you? Yeah. Uh, this, this show, this show, so this show will be up in about three hours, probably, Paul. That's a, awesome. Probably. Wow. Yeah. Usually yeah. Within, within about 20 minutes of the show ending, I've got online. Unless, like tonight, we're doing another podcast afterwards. We, it'll be on tomorrow night. But, uh, yeah. Unless unless, I I, like, unless a I guest I don't really know personally comes on and starts spouting the N-word or something. And I really have to get rid of some <clears throat> bad. Like, you can swear if you really want to. That's fine. But, uh, you know, if someone gets really uh, blue. Offensive. Yeah. We'll, like that I time might, we had Leo. You know, I'm a libertarian at heart, so I, I you know, I say whatever you want to say, but don't come on my show and start spouting off the N-word or whatever, you know. It, right. It's interesting because when we started uh, Flash Pulp, I avoided swearing in the stories entirely. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to maintain a pulp sensibility without dropping an F-bomb every now and then. Yes. So we introduced a character who... The realism. Yes. Realism. We introduced a character whose sort of specific character trait was that she was just constantly cussing. And we, what we did at first was bleep her, right? Which it only adds to the comedy value. But in the end, we kind of realized, well, we just want to include cussing anyway. So now we allow general cussing, but we still bleep the one character. Nice. <laughs> That's great. I love one of my favorite episodes of The X-Files is where there's a character who curses. They're retelling the story, and they actually use the word bleep. So they have the person <laughs> saying, yeah. well, you, t- t- you could just take your bleep and bleep hole and just bleep yourself all the way out of the bleep in town. It was hilarious. No, I, I forget. The, so I forget the name of the character, but I, I mean, we're not CBS. So like uh, I met a nice gentleman at one of the comic cons here in Toronto. Oh, and I, I am forgetting the name of his character. He's a what a great guy. I spent some time talking to him. And although I forget the name of his character, uh, it's a it's a black character. It's it's black centric uh, comic book, and he comes from Nicaropolis. So I dropped that one on the show. Oh, That's boy. fine. Okay. And we've <laughs> lost lost our family friendly rating. <laughs> no, no, but you know what I'm saying. I won't censor uh, words just for words. You know, it's the intention behind the words that really matters. Yeah. It's not the yeah. word itself. Right. So. What I tell my children, twice, twice. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> That's right. That is also what I tell my children. 
And that's what, you know what, that's what George uh, Carlin told us all. It's also what I tell his children. <laughs> no bad words, it's bad intentions. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So Flash exactly. Pulp, and now you're available on iTunes, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the website where folks can go if they don't, let's say they don't have an Apple device, they want to get your RSS feed or find out a little bit more about you. What's your website that we can find Flash Pulp Podcast? All the links and information are available at flashpulp.com. Uh, the archives, we actually keep an archive there, too, because we've gotten so uh, such a back catalog at this point that we're churning off the end of the iTunes RSS feed. It only goes back to episode 50 or something. Okay. So if you, if you want the first few, you actually got to go to the site, or you got to oh. subscribe to the main podcast RSS. The first 50 just scare me, you know, audio quality <laughs> and learning. Don't go back there, guys. I think one of the first episodes we recorded, I actually made everybody leave the house so they couldn't hear me. Hey, listen, if you haven't done it yet, uh, Book Guys, it was actually called Paul the Book Guy at the time. Episode one, go for it. Actually, it was fun. We had some William Shatner books and stuff on it. It was fun. It's part It's part of your history. You, you, you got to acknowledge it. You got to embrace it. I mean, the very first podcast I ever did of Gadget, the camera was horrible. The sound was horrible. I had no idea what I was doing. And now at least my camera looks, well, actually, it's not working right now. So I guess I really haven't been all that much. It's especially rough for us because we actually are telling, although each episode is one contiguous, like one story, the whole thing is somewhat contiguous. There is an overall arcing story to the Flashbulb universe, uh, which will be about 600 episodes long. So even though we would like to drop off the archive and just say, it, you know, eh, just start listening at 100. If you want to get the full story, yeah. you do have to go all the way back. Yeah, that was bad advice. My bad, guys. <laughs> well, at some point, you can reboot your universe and retcon everything to make it more convenient, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what yeah. I hear, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, plan on, I plan on explaining a lot of things with midichlorians, is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no, no midichlorians. Oh. <laughs> so, wait, so let me... Are you, are you hoping to get to a point where you've created such an immersive experience, such a detailed universe, that you can then piss off all your listeners by completely changing everything that meant anything important to people? That's right. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, George Lucas, uh, he has to be kicking himself right now because Disney bought it. And they're like, they're just calling up Luke Skywalker and, you know, they're yeah. getting Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and calling up Harrison Ford. And Luke Skywalker has to be sitting there and going, oh, man, I could have done this 20 years ago. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Sequels, not prequels. Come on, man. <laughs> I can't I wait. I'll I... be in line to watch Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. I don't think Harrison Ford would have made this film if the new Indiana Jones movie hadn't turned out so poorly. Oh, he nuked the fridge, my friend. He definitely yeah. he nuked the fridge. That was so bad. It really was. <laughs> he needs to to move back to his remaining good franchise. So yes. <laughs> and now uh, flashpulp.com. We'll put a link in the show notes in case you forget flashpulp.com. And uh, do you guys mind sticking around for the rest of the show? We'll talk some books, audio books, audio dramas, podcasts, all kind of stuff. Excellent. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, with JRD, Jessica May, O'Pope, Sir Jimmy, Professor Allen, Father Robert Balser, and myself, Paul Vase, right after this. This is Richard Goodship, author of The Camera Guy on Amazon, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. And we're back. We're back from a quick break. We had to refill our drinks and sharpen our pencils. 
I'm refreshed. <laughs> we are very refreshed, Jessica. <laughs> uh, you know, I know you gentlemen have finished. I also finished. Uh, Sir Jimmy recently finished. Science fiction. Ready, player one. Awesome. You know what? I'm glad I listened to the Book Guys show because I, I listen, actually do listen to it while I'm editing it and while I'm here. And I'm glad that uh, I believe it was Padre brought this one up first and uh, really enjoyed it. It's a very well-read book. So, Jimmy, you just finished it. It's fresh on your mind. And joining us right now, damn it, the, the, the balance of power has just shifted. We had three Canadians, three Americans. The balance is just now we have four and a half, uh, three and a half Americans. <laughs> hey, Nobat, how you doing, buddy? Long time no see. Long time no see. Yes, sir. So you're not on the... Uh, I noticed you're not on uh, playing uh, video games right now on your Xbox because uh, Sir Jimmy sounds great on the show. He's not, you know, chopping out or anything. I'm not He unplugs the router until... <laughs> we do that, too. You're not... Good man, on. Sir Jimmy. Good man. <laughs> we call that parenting. I call that... <laughs> Good job, Sir Jimmy. So, so Nobod, you also listened to Ready Player One? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, now, because uh, some of us might be slightly older than you, and we might remember <laughs> some of the 80s, although in a drunken blur, a drunken blur, uh, you know, the book had a lot of mentions of the 80s, for, so for someone like me, it was a lot of fun uh, reliving or listening to some of that stuff. Um, how did, what did you think about it? You not knowing anything about the 80s, you know, you might know a Rubik's Cube, but most of the stuff in the book that is about the 80s, you wouldn't know about it. What did you think of Ready Player One? Well, for some of the games I knew, I saw, um, I recognize, like, the guitar game I've seen, and um, I searched up some of the games just to see what they were at school. Nice. I learned what a lot of them were. And then um, I really just <laughs> focused on the book and to see what I could piece together. Okay. So maybe Dad, that that, Dad's got to get you a MAME emulator and get you some of those games on a laptop or something for you. Why not? Yeah, we actually had one of those little Ataris that was... They took the whole Atari and put it inside of a joystick that you plug up to the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. seen those. We're talking, of course, about uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Um, read by Sir Jimmy, Mr. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Wheaton. Why did you say it like that? Will Wheaton. 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 At Will W on the Twitters. Hope to have him on soon. I keep bugging him. <laughs> hey, yeah, Will, I mean, I'm the guy who keeps bugging you. Th- three Jeff Gurner books in a row. Going That's right. to a new guy, I was I was automatically turned off. I'm like, this is not Jeff Gurner, and. You know, it's like, hey, like I'm Will Wheaton, you know. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then after a while, it uh, he's a good you know, narrator. Sort of grew on me. He's a good narrator. I like. I enjoyed it. Uh, we yeah, are gonna it, have. It seemed like he was enjoying enjoying the reading, so it came across. And uh, since you mentioned Sir Jimmy, I just want to announce we are gonna have on the twentieth of February, uh, actor and audiobook narrator Jeff Gurner is gonna be joining us. I know that a couple of us did listen to about three or four books in a row by Jeff Gurner and really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know J.W. Bolden. Screw you, J.W. Bull. We liked his narration, all right? And we're going to have him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Ready Player One, uh, Sir Jimmy, what did you think about the story? And give us a synopsis, if you could, please. 
Well, uh, hey, my question. And while you're at it, can you shine my shoes? You know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at, I was at I was at work today. You know, doing my my regular drudgery, and I had my iPad um, uh, with me. You know, not far away, and I had a Bluetooth headset in, and I never have one of those things because I don't use it for the phone. But it's real handy when you're working. And I was listening to the last couple chapters of the book because Nobot here and me have been sort of racing to see who could finish it first. <laughs> and um, we've been talking about it. And he says, where are you? And I'm like, shh. Anyway, the, the premise, I guess, is in the this sort of near future, maybe you know, 30, 40 years from now. Yeah. And it's, it's not really post-apocalyptic, but it, but it kind of is. Uh, all the population has shifted to the major population centers, big cities, and all the areas in between are like uh, desolate and Mad Maxi. And uh, there's this young guy. He's you know like a high school senior level, and he is trying to win a prize. Um, there's a, a guy who was um, a game developer, and he was yeah, Mr. Holiday, and he was he was like worth 240 billion dollars and he was dying and the last thing he did was create um a contest for somebody to take his entire fortune and the you had to go into the simulation which is like a virtual reality type simulation a game it's sort of like second life and you know a lot of people just sit in their house on this thing all day and you, you had to go through the simulation, find three keys, unlock some gates, and find a, a hidden Easter egg inside of this simulation, and you $40 billion. And, you know, it's like five years, and nobody has even cracked the first key. And Right, and these people are all playing. playing it's kind of like a World of Warcraft, mul massively multiplayer game. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Imagine a world that is so, so dreary. We're talking about uh, we've reached peak oil, so there's not enough energy for our populations. There's not enough food, definitely. And we're overcrowded in these megacities. And then there's this game called the Oasis, which could make it seem like a real experience, as if you, you want to be in. I mean, it, that sounds pretty damn attractive. Yeah, yes. people sit in these chairs, and they wear a suit, and they have these haptic gloves and like a... A visor, which I, I I sort of imagine. I don't know what you think, no, Bob, but sort of like almost like a mask that you wear when you go diving in the pool, and and you know you move your hands, it happens on on screen, and and there's it's it's very meta. It's like you're it's in the future, and you're in this suit, and you're inside of a game, and you're you're watching your avatar in the game play a video game in uh in an arcade that was you know happened sixty years ago, and it's really it's really uh, centered around the '80s, the 1980s, because that's when um, Mr. Halliday, the guy who uh, that started the the Oasis, um, that's when he grew up, and he's big time into Rush, which is this horrible Canadian band. Yeah, so terrible. Oh, fighting oh. <laughs> yeah, words. <laughs> no, yeah. Controversy. Controversy. Not to us. Not to us. No, <laughs> no. no. Anything hey. in the 80s, you know, family <laughs> ties and, and a lot of um, a lot of Japanese uh, cartoons and Japanese uh, shows with the, the giant uh, robots and the rubber suits and Godzilla and Ultraman and all that sort of comes into play and Turns out, the the more you know about everything that he was into, the better chance you have of becoming uh, a quadrillionaire. Billionaire. No, no, sir, Jimmy. I just got uh, on the back channel here. I just got a text message from Chester Cheeto, 
And he says he wants to give his opinion on Neil Peart and Rush. And I'm going to put the video in the show notes. Otherwise, uh, it will make this episode explicit. It's a little clip from Family Guy. I'm going to put it in the show notes. <laughs> that, that's terrific. That's terrific. Okay. Yes. Uh, but you know what? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially if you uh, grew up in the 80s or you have some knowledge of the 80s or you enjoyed some of the 80s culture. Uh, definitely a must-have, uh, must-listen or must-read uh, well read by Will Wheaton. Uh, we're going to play a little clip from the audiobook as we always do before you know we finish up talking about Ready Player One. Uh, again, by Ernest Klein, narrated by Will Wheaton himself. Uh, you know Wesley mm. Crusher. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Was he wearing the sweater? <laughs> I think he was while he was recording. Yes. <laughs> Good. Gets him in the mood. <laughs> You know, uh, one of the things that uh, Ernest Klein did, I really appreciated this, uh, which is he dealt very tactfully with this idea of, well, in the future, if the technology is advanced to this level where everything seems real, well, what do you do about, and I'm sorry, I don't know if this will flip the explicit switch, but what do you do about sex? And, of course, people are, I mean, that's one of those right. base drives, and they're going to figure out a way to, to, to make it real online. And he handled it in one very short, like, three paragraphs where he basically describes what the character, what Wade uh, goes through. Uh, Robert, um, I just, Padre, I just want to like, remind you, Nobot is actually on the line. Adolescence in the Oasis, <laughs> and then he moves on. It's, and he could, have, he could not have covered it, and then, and then that would have been one of those you know, things of, of fanfic. But rather, he covered it very quickly, and he went on, and, and it was no big deal. Okay, and let's take a quick listen to some of Will Wheaton's narration. Uh, and uh, I'm going to remind everybody, you can go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys or bookguys.ca slash audible. If you haven't tried Audible yet on your Android, your BlackBerry, or your iPhone uh, for audiobooks, check them out. You can get uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein for free just for trying them out. ...all of my favorite news and entertainment vid feeds. Among these was my own channel, Parzival TV. Broadcasting obscure, eclectic crap, 24-7, 365. Earlier that year, GSS had added a new feature to every Oasis user's account, the POV, Personal Oasis Vid Feed Channel. It allowed anyone who paid a monthly fee to run their own streaming television network. Anyone logged into the simulation could tune in and watch your POV channel from anywhere in the world. What you aired on your channel and who you allowed to view it were entirely up to you. Most users chose to run a voyeur channel, which was like being the star of your own 24-hour reality show. Hovering virtual cameras would follow your avatar around the Oasis as you went about your day-to-day -day activities. You could limit access to your channel so that only your friends could watch, or you could charge viewers by the hour to access your POV. A lot of second-tier celebrities and pornographers did this, selling their virtual lives at a per-minute premium. Some people used their POV to broadcast live video of their real-world selves, or their dog, or their kids. Some people programmed nothing but old cartoons. The possibilities were endless, and the variety of stuff available seemed to grow more twisted every day non-stop foot fetish videos broadcast out of Eastern Europe, amateur porn featuring deviant soccer moms in Minnesota. You name it, 
Every flavor of weirdness the human psyche could cook up was being filmed and broadcast online. And we'll stop it right there because, you know, <laughs> hey, Sir Jimmy, it's okay. No battery would listen to the whole show. So <laughs> a lot of fun. Will Wheaton uh, does a great job narrating it. Uh, I think he's a brilliant actor. Uh, underappreciated, of course. And, uh, you know, with that Star Trek stigma on him. <laughs> You know what I mean, Padre? <laughs> he must get sick of hearing about Star Trek and Will Wheaton. But he, he really has uh, come along and... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'll un- unmute everybody now. Now you can talk. There you go. <laughs> sorry. But why is no one talking? I unmuted everyone. <laughs> but Will, Will Wheaton uh, has recently uh, you know, uh, embraced ge- geek culture. Not recently. He's embr- always been a geek. And he's, uh, I follow him on Tumblr. Yeah, he, he's, he's uh, celebrated it. Sorry, you guys were muted no, there for yes. a while. <laughs> he's he's celebrated uh, uh, and uh, really taken advantage of it. Now he does that. Uh, the what's the uh, game show? Big Not Bang game... Theory. Yeah, well, he's been on there yeah. too. Uh, he's been on uh, Eureka as well as a character. Uh, tabletop, I think. That's right. Of. Yeah, tabletop. Tabletop. Yes, the the podcast he does on uh, Felicia Day's network. Uh, brilliant show. Great way to learn uh, how to which board game you should buy next and how it's actually played. He does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interested in board games at all, check out Tabletop on uh, Felicia Day's network. And I forget the name of the network. My memory is awful. That's why I love Siri. I'd, mar- I'd marry Siri. I need a Siri to remind me, call me every five minutes. Hey, Paul, do this. Paul, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Geek and Sundry scares me. They've got some interesting podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about some of them when uh, Nobot's not around. <laughs> Just kidding, Nobot. <laughs> no, exactly. He looks <laughs> so okay. ready, ready player one. I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, lots of not, not just nostalgia. We got a lot of battle scenes uh, that happen in the virtual world, but have real world repercussions. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, listen. Uh, at fifteen hours and forty six minutes, and you can get it for one credit on Audible. That's brilliant. So, Jimmy, what did you think? Hey, I just want to thank Professor Allen. If I was want- desperate for somebody to come up with a book for me to read with my Audible credit, and uh, yeah, this one, this one, very pleased with, and and the fact that Nobot in, enjoyed it made it uh, made it even better. There you go. And Paul, if someone wanted to listen to Ready Player One or another book on Audible, how would you recommend they do that? PirateBay.org. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. You know, we love to support authors. You know, the only way as a fan of anything that you can support uh, the thing you love is to hey, give the guy who made it some money. Uh, same reason I buy Doctor Who episodes six months after I watched it illegally. I mean, legally. Mm-hmm. Sorry, did I just admit guilt on the air? <laughs> no, no, no. Allegedly. Allegedly. Same reason I will buy content when it's legally available in Canada long time after I've already consumed it because I enjoy the show or the, the book and I really want it to keep going on. And guess what, folks? Had you, you, know, had you downloaded Firefly on iTunes rather than pirate baying it, Firefly would still be on the air. That's all I'm... You know, Thank I'm, you. I'm I'm gonna get off my pulpit now. <laughs> that's the Can't Padre. Get some brown coats after you. That's the Padre's job on Sunday. <laughs> hey, it's my soapbox. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, sir. And uh, yeah, love it. Ready Player One. I give it two thumbs up. If I had three thumbs, I'd give it three for sure. Um, I uh, we uh, spoke with J.W. Bull 
I believe it was last episode about uh, picking tomatoes. And, you know, this is one of those situations where I'm not getting forced, but hey, you know what? Nice lady, interesting sounding book. Checked it out. Picking Tomatoes by J.W. Bull. I did download it as one of my Audible picks this this week or this month. Uh, It's a a short listen. It's under seven hours, just under seven hours. And it's totally chiclet. I can't find chiclet. I don't have, we don't have a chiclet jingle. So I'm going to go with, eh, I'll go with this. Romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> picking tomatoes. Uh, it's it's about a lady who uh, is an aspiring writer, and she sees an ad in a in a women's magazine, like a, the, the stereotypical women in cooking ma- magazine, and uh, she applies for it. Even though she's in the middle of a divorce, you know the the ad calls for a single lady uh, who's in the dating scene and all that, and who can cook. And she's not single and can cook. So she she fakes her way in anyways in puts in this article and uh, gets the job, you know, and, and it goes through the, her trials with her ex-husband, uh, her dating, her, her trying to cook. I mean, it, it really is funny uh, seeing her trying to go through her first recipe, not following it, you know, oh, I don't have any thyme, I'll use some oregano kind of thing, or what the uh-huh. hell's a paring knife? Oh, what else? You know, or... Uh, trying to chop up a chicken and she thinks that, that all you have to do is like just grab a knife and just go at it right <laughs> which is how jamaicans cook jerk chicken you ever seen jerk chicken they get a big axe and they just chop the hell out of it there's no butchery involved but anyways it's funny uh listening or reading her uh going through these trials of learning and anyone who's tried to cook who doesn't who never uh, cooked before will totally understand what she's going through trying to fake being this uh chef from france and um, it starts off the first recipe in the book. It, she actually does give you the recipes that go along with her uh, fictitious column in the uh, women's magazine. Uh, she does actually give you the recipes. They are valid and good recipes. And uh, the audiobook, which is kind of neat, because uh, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, it would be nice for me to have a hard copy because I'd like to try some of these recipes maybe one day. And how the hell am I going to find them in an audiobook? So... Uh, she was nice enough to put all the recipes once again at the back of the audiobook. So you can just go to the last chapter in the audiobook. Nice. And, and they're there in audio format. Uh, read by Sandy Weaver Carmen, who we're having, I believe, in the first or second week of March on the show as well. Uh, brilliantly narrated. Great actress and uh, audiobook narrator does this. Uh, female narrator. Uh, I'm going to play a little clip from Pick Tomatoes. J.W. Bull, we had her on last week. Great book. Uh, I got to say, hate to be sexist, but this is totally a chick book. This is 100% chick lit, and I loved it. <laughs> okay, but have you tried one of the recipes yet? Not yet. I'm going to try the salsa. I'm going to try the salsa first and go from there. And she has a... I'm trying to remember now what the other recipe is, but I am going to try some of them. Maybe I'll have some of the salsa. I'll make some of the picking tomato sauce, salsa, and we'll have you guys back. Because you're only in Milton, Ontario. Maybe we'll do a Friday recording one day and just come down, have some drinks, we'll talk some books. We'll bring the nachos. Oh, awesome. All right. And here's a short clip from uh, the audiobook as well. Become a columnist. Cooking and Women is holding its annual writing competition. Submission guidelines. Write an article of 200 words or less comparing Finding Mr. Right to cooking. Include an original recipe. Qualifications. You must be single and have experience as a chef. 
published writing is a plus. Deadline, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, July 1, 2011. Grand prize, $2,500 cash award and the chance to have your own monthly column, Cooking and Men. Finding Mr. Wright is... I pause to consider this and come to an immediate conclusion. Downright impossible. What am I doing? I can't type that. I crack my knuckles, hit the backspace key, and begin again. Finding Mr. Wright is... I glance around the kitchen for culinary inspiration, and a pile of dirty dishes in the sink sparks my imagination. Hmm. Finding Mr. Wright is like washing dishes. Just when you think he's squeaky clean, bam, you find dried up crusty old egg on him. Somehow I don't think that's what cooking and women wants. A culinary muse. A culinary muse. Aha! My eyes fall into an empty Stouffer's frozen dinner box lying on the counter. Okay? Finding Mr. Wright is like cooking a frozen dinner. You've got to nuke him to warm him up. I groan. It's no good. I can't focus. The problem is, I need a recipe, and I don't cook. Cooking and Women is not a magazine I would normally buy. There I was, standing in the grocery store checkout line yesterday, when my eyes were drawn to the cover. The magazine stood alone on a rack, a smiling middle-aged woman embracing a large basket of hand-picked greens on its cover. But that wasn't what caught my eye. It was the three little words printed to the left of her. Become a columnist. And of course, she uh, does become a columnist. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, interesting. Great book. Enjoyed it. And I challenge any of the ladies here tonight to check out Pickin' Tomatoes by J.W. Bull. Let us know what you thought. And I probably should unmute everybody again. I need a producer. <laughs> there we go. We can all talk again. <laughs> Definitely something so, I Paul, tell us to. about... Uh, so tell us about finding Mr. Wright, Paul. What did you learn? <laughs> Wait, don't, spoilers. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Did you learn how to, Paul? Did you learn how to be Mr. Wright? You know, you know, and ending up listening, reading Chicklet is uh, it's like I love it because it's uh, it's books that you know normally wouldn't pick up off the shelf. Sometimes that are the ones that you really enjoy and you wouldn't you know otherwise experience them. Uh, it's mm -hmm. like. Uh, sometimes uh, Amazon will suggest books for you based on stuff you've listened to or, or read that you normally wouldn't buy. And sometimes I just go, what the hell? Thank you, Amazon God. I'll click and give it a shot. There's, or stuff that sometimes you, you guys uh, recommend that I go, well, I normally wouldn't listen to that. But hey, nothing, nothing wrong with being eclectic. The word today is serendipity. There you go. Serendipity. serendipity. What do we do when you say serendipity? Oh, yeah! <laughs> video show be worth it just just for Jessica dancing. <laughs> There's an awful lot of dancing right now. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna invest in the equipment just so Jessica can come back and dance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we are gonna, uh, gentlemen. We have, I believe, a little bit, not much this week. Nothing uh, exciting happened that I could uh, find, anyways. Uh, we'll do. Book news. What the heck? Hey, Professor Allen, you've got some uh, local Ohio things going on. What's going on there? 
Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> this just in, Paul. <laughs> yes, uh, I was listening to uh, I was listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire, as oh, the name implies, a so podcast a podcast about the uh, mostly the the George R. R. Martin books, though obviously they cover the TV show a little bit. Mostly, it's a it is a fellow book related. I did. Try, I did try to get them on. Sorry to interrupt you, but contact them. See if they'll come on. I, I believe we just uh, missed some emails. Something happened because uh, I really want to have them on the show. Yeah, uh, and so I was listening to the latest couple of episodes uh, podcast of Ice and Fire, and they mentioned a Ice and Fire convention mm-hmm. uh, here here in Ohio, and it's mm-hmm. mostly again it's it's based on the books. They'll talk obviously a little bit about the, the the new season of the TV show will be going on, but they're trying to focus it mostly uh, mostly on the books. And the setting is actually uh, a place uh, place my family and I have been to. It's uh, sort of a Renaissance themed, um, maybe yeah, a castle. Maybe a, sort of think of it as a bed and breakfast community exactly. sort of thing. A castle and a handful of cottages. It's a fun mm-hmm. place to visit uh, out in the hills of hills of southeastern Ohio. And that's at uh, I just I would just search for you know convention of ice and fire or something like that, and it'll. It'll pop up. It's in Ravenwood uh, is the name of the uh, the place in Ohio, and it just sounds like sounds like fun. It's going to be. In, I mean, they're this is the first year they're doing a pretty small, pretty small convention, but sounds there, like fun. There's a, a a book series that's quickly gaining a fandom. Mm-hmm. Of course, game, game. Look, look at conventions. Wow. Yes, actually, <laughs> we've been involved in promoting that convention as well. I'm uh, at a. Uh, an acquaintance, you'd say, of one of the people that's running it. Oh so. yeah, there's some, there's and there's some of uh, the podcast. Mm-hmm. The podcast has some of you Canadians on it too. That's right. Noticed, so. There's a few uh, of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so we've actually. A, yeah, that's about an hour from where I live. So. Yeah, we've actually got some people on our uh, on our fan base that have been talking about that convention. Some people who have visited. Ravenwood Castle themselves. Oh, it's, it's, a fun, it's a really great place. It is a great place. Like I said, we've done my my daughter, who's now in in college. You know, she certainly loves her Renaissance and all the, the Renaissance mm-hmm. Fair and all the medieval medieval stuff. So we uh, mm-hmm. been there and Game a of Thrones, handful hey, of times. It's a perfect. It's a perfect. Perfect. Per- perfect setting for it. Now, uh, Professor, I'm sure. You, will you be uh, attending the uh, conference in our uh, an official book guys capacity and Give us if a report. I'm able to get some get get some audio for the podcast. Perfect. The book guy's ambassador. I like this. Love it. Ding ding. Book news. Right. Here. With all this high tech equipment, I still print stuff out. <laughs> so we've got uh, not much. Like I said, uh, Amazon declaring eBooks a multi billion dollar category. I don't even know what that means. I mean, just because the CEO Jeff Bezos says it's going to be multi billion dollar. Okay, great. <laughs> One of By the way, I'm declaring myself a multi-billion-dollar podcast. That's right. It, there's, there's, there's actually sound business strategy here. In doing that, what Amazon is doing is saying that we are not a single income stream company. Right. We don't just do knickknacks. We've got a major stream right. within eBooks. That's right. Now that's well, totally they, boring to anyone who doesn't care about business, but you know it's important to Amazon stockholders. Yeah. Well, they only but, but, brought but, uh, in like what twenty three billion over Christmas. I don't think they're hurting. No, but, but it but, was but, a disappointing quarter. They wanted more. 
But it's they're projecting that it's going to be a multi-billion-dollar category, which it isn't right now. It's I cry for them. You know, I still say it's not going to be a multi-billion-dollar uh, business until I can give my ebook to Padre. Exactly. Actually, that that needs to be figured out for everything that's digital, for yes. music, for video, and for ebooks. What do I own? Until the courts right. figure out exactly what I'm buying. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. It's not. It can't and, grow. Mm-hmm. And here's here's a stopgap solution. If if anyone at Amazon, I think some of them are listening, but if they are listening, here's the stopgap solution. I know they don't want it so that I can just click a button and say, I'm gonna give Jessica May this book. Because they're, they're thinking, well, now it's gonna get shared everywhere. Jessica May is then gonna click the button after she's finished reading it and give it to Robert Balasur, Father Robert Balasur. Here's the stopgap solution. You must own the ebook for one year. Or two years. After two years, the little button shows up on your ebook. I've thought about this. Now, after I've owned the ebook for two years, I can now click the button and say, give it to Sir Jimmy. Now, I can't get it back. I can't read it anymore. It's his. Make it 20 years. But the, the whole point is, at the end of my life, I should be able to, just like now, I can take these books and the ones I have at home and give them to someone, uh, mm-hmm. a future son or a friend or you know an acquaintance, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not worth it to Amazon's time just to get people signed up on the book train, if you will. Like, yeah. If they get the username there, they get your email, your password, you know, you're set up to buy further books in the future, you get used to the experience. I'm surprised that's not enough for Amazon. Yeah, and if they want to move us all to ebooks, which makes sense, it's better for the environment, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I think they're going to have a big drop off in sales as soon as people. Uh, I mean, we're, we're the new generation, the people reading ebooks for the first time in their lives. When we start keeling over, <laughs> when we start keeling over and people start realizing, hey, that Paul Alves guy died with $6,000 worth of books in his Kindle, that's when... Yeah. And that's it. That's all he had. <laughs> and that's all he had. That's all what he are you going to do with your books? Exactly. All he had was yeah. an iPad with six, you know, 600 <laughs> books on it. But when people start realizing that, man, that guy spent so much money on that crap and it just digitally vanished one day, they're going to start going back to you know, to pulp and paper hmm. because you know what, you know, I really don't give a damn what happens after I die. <laughs> you guys can all burn in an asteroid collision for all I care, but at least I want to know that I could give my books to someone afterwards. Yeah. That's I love you until I'm dead. Then you can all go piss off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amy if Poehler. They, if they can figure out how to include them in your estate for your estate taxes, Amy then Poehler. maybe we'll talk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you should be able to put in your estate and your will, my digital life goes to Father Robert Balliser, except for the porn. <laughs> and I will put it on the Pirate Bay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and we will talk about Amen. Pirate Bay in a second. Uh, but a- Amy Poehler, that cutie, look at her. She's so cute. Um, she's going to be uh, following footsteps, of course, of her friend uh, Tina Fey, who's making a bajillion dollars with her books. <laughs> Amy Poehler is going to be publishing uh, a diary her diary non-linear but her diary uh or excerpts from her diary should be fun uh harper collins of course is uh, producing this one i don't think dick cheney i don't think dick cheney actually operates the uh printing presses at uh, harper collins but uh, hey dick great idea <laughs> amy polar you'll make a lot of money on that one <laughs> it's amazing who owns these companies folks <laughs> Amy Poehler and uh, Pirate Bay Padre. Speaking of Pirate Bay, 
completely illegal. Don't do it, folks. But uh, I believe there's a torrent out there. This man had a genius idea. Uh, for those of you fans, spoiler alert here, fans of Doctor Who, who, uh, let's say younger fans, people younger than me in their 20s or not even in their 20s yet, who want to discover the classic series, uh, one of the big barriers to getting into classic Who is the whole 60s mindset. Uh, the fact that these 60s shows are slow-paced. Very slow. If you watch a modern television, you don't see someone eating their dinner for 30 seconds. It ain't happening. I mean, it's, it's all quick, 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 jump cuts. Uh, you can see that in the new show, Doctor Who, and every other show on television, really, it's bang, 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 bang. We're done. Where the old classic series used to do, you know, eight episodes, half hour long, slew. So this, this genius of a person who shall remain nameless, I don't even know their name, came up with this idea. He took the classic series and cut out all the unnecessary bits. <laughs> and in some of them, he's trimmed the episodes by 50% in running time. And I just watched uh, today the, uh, the first episode of Doctor Who, The Unearthly Child. He trimmed like 40 minutes off the damn thing. It's brilliant. Uh, if you want to Allegedly, the, you watched it. They're all children safe. Yeah. Nobody could watch these, Sir Jimmy. There's no... You know, it's not as risque as the, the newer, certainly not Torchwood, but it, he speeds it up to the point where the kid won't get bored watching it or, you know, the Doctor Who fan won't get bored watching the, you know, Doctor playing with knobs for 20 seconds in a shot. <laughs> That's a great idea. It's on well, the, the, the old bridge, Doctor, Doctor Who, Who was sort of like Downton Abbey in space. I mean, I'm going to miss <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You, was, you have a lot of establishing shots that are just like, Yes, <laughs> yes. He was the grumpy old man, the, the grumpy grandfather. What? You don't understand because you're stupid human. But uh, right. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of like that. But yeah, abridged Doctor Who. Brilliant idea. I'm not saying that's how you can get it on torrents, abridged Doctor Who. But uh, <laughs> BBC should really look at this and uh, a, a great way to re-release uh, these episodes for the 50th anniversary. Yeah, but uh, they shouldn't look too hard at the ones on Pirate Bay. No, 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 no. Don't look at those. Shot for shot, they should release those like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to step on your news toes, but since you guys were talking oh, uh, no, about please. Ready that's... Player One so much, yes. what do you guys think of the, uh, the news that it's been optioned for a film? Do you think that's a doable thing? Uh, yes. Yes. I want, want now, want tomorrow. <laughs> Let's go. I'll pay, I'll pay. <laughs> I'm almost as excited for Ready Player One on film as I am for... Um, uh, you know, the new Man of Steel, or of course, uh, the uh, Enders Game. Enders Game. Because I've always said, read Enders Game, then go Enders Shadow. And you know what? While we're here, screw you, Reddit. The Enderverse series is amazing science fiction. Yes, Dune is awesome, but the Ender series is brilliant. I know that uh, Enders Game comes off as a, uh, you know, almost a, it's an adult, young adult, YA fiction type thing, but. It's awesome. Go through the series. Go to Ender's Shadow after Ender's Game. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Get into the I, Bean I, story. I even know who needs to play Wade. It needs to be Jonah Hill. <laughs> oh, <laughs> please no. He's got that lovable loser character going on. Uh, you know what? You know who I want to play Wade in? Uh, I don't even know what he looks like in uh, Ready Player One. Uh, Billy Smith, who plays Fry on Futurama. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about Daniel Radcliffe? Let's bring him back. Come on, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get all wizard up in here. 
<laughs> He's too busy so playing with his money. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he's done. He's done. I mean, the problem is we were also this excited about World War Z, and it seems like that movie is somewhat disastrous. Not even related to the book in even the littlest amount. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this. Books on film and television. And while we're at it, just really quickly, is there any book that any of you want desperately to see on film or television? That hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can find it over at flashbulb.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, smooth, honey. Smooth. <laughs> Sir Jimmy, anything you can think of? No. No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitive. I continue I would... to dream of a neuromancer movie. I realize it couldn't be made as the original was written to, to have cyberspace as all these giant abstract right. blocks would look ridiculous these days. But the idea is still fairly sound. I realize there's parts of it that you, like trying to explain Rastas in space is something that's maybe not going to translate the film, but there is a lot to love still there. Yeah. And the Dune series remake, love to see that. Uh, an- another one? <laughs> Tried it enough times already. I think we need a moratorium <laughs> on Dune adaptation. You think so, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, come hey, on. I, I, I love I the Dune universe, but... Uh, oh, come on. We're rebooting I, Spider-Man again in two years. Can oh. we just... Uh, come on. Yeah, but that's popcorn. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Flash Pulp podcast at... It's flashpulp.com. How easy is that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, so Jessica. Easy, guys. You're welcome back anytime, Jessica. Just for yes, your dancing. Make me salsa. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Jeered. Jeered. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I'm not sure who we have on next week. Who do got, who's got the calendar up? I don't have the calendar up. We'll put it in the show notes. But we are going to be back next week with more books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. It's been a lot of fun talking to the nice folks from Flash Pulp who are locals. I didn't know that. Canadians. Yay. <laughs> the balance has been restored to the force. We're going to have uh, uh, Robert O'Brien. I believe we do. Yes. Robin but, O'Brien. Robin O'Brien, my friend. Robin O'Brien. Next week, same book time, same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel.